forget what, what company or what, what advertising agency it was, but there used to be a thing where the tagline was, it's only crazy if it doesn't work or something. It was like an ad for it was, it was some sports-related thing, but it was like uh, all the superstitions, superstition and stuff that you do to support your team in the tagline was, it, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. Oh, I, anyway, yeah, I do vaguely remember that. Actually, it's, let me just Google, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. This is like, yeah, this is a great uh, use case for YouTube. YouTube excels at finding. Like, oh, old it, it was ads. no, uh, it was a Budweiser ad. Can I, I? I don't know if this is a point of pride or a, a, a snobbery on my part, but I've literally never tasted um, like a standard commercial beer. I've I've had my fair share of Bud Light. But I'm not entirely sure I've ever had a Budweiser, like a non-light Bud, yeah. like an, a, an original Bud. I don't, I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah, not, not, not judging, but I, but I don't. Yeah, it's, it's never been my wheelhouse. But I also just, I generally don't like beer, and we've, we've covered that in general. I, I like ciders, which are again, that goes back to my days as being a seven-year-old who uh, loved Martinelli's on a on a New Year's Eve. Well, and I, I, and I sort of like the craziest beers that you can possibly find. So I'm, I'm certainly no one um, in a position to judge people's beer choices. Yeah. I feel like I should get on whatever that app is that you have. Because I, I try several, many, 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 many wines and, and, and such, but I don't ever... I'm a data-driven person. I'm, I'm a regular 538, but I don't, um, I don't ever catalog any of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, un, untapped. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, but it just feels like another thing of of stuff I'm 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 pouring data into that I'm never ever going to do anything with. Oh yeah, no, I n- I never never look at it, but um, that's fun. Yeah, it's mo- it's mo- it's mostly fun because you can see, you know, you, you can of course have like you connect with friends on it, and so you can see like what they've checked in and stuff. That that's kind of neat. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, not for nothing, or I I this was the original opener we had planned or i had planned before i don't really know that where, where that uh it doesn't work if it came from thing but it came from but whatever i sent you a link to a tweet because uh i don't i have been off twitter for i think almost a year now and i'm very very proud of myself because twitter is a very low high signal to noise low return bad place and that's why i'm you know i i'm happy you got a deal on yeah but i will once every couple of weeks manually in an incognito window go to twitter.com slash darth and i happened to find that he he was on a thing and it's something to do with sandwiches but uh grant bisbee who is uh he used to be the beat reporter for the san francisco giants for the chronicle and then he was switched over to the athletic a couple of years ago and he replied to a tweet from darth which was about diagonally slicing a sandwich. So first, before we get into the video, when you are making a sandwich for yourself or others, do you slice it down the middle or do you slice it diagonally? I normally slice it down the middle. So not, not diagonally. Interesting. Does I am that, the does same Does that make me way. a bad person? Okay, good. It does, but, I, but, I, but I'm right there with you. Because here's the thing, I I do too, because I'm somebody who, oh man, I, this, uh, uh, 
we're just, we're just gonna do the whole show on this you think well, I mean, I, I, I can't, I, I mean, I, don't, I can't afford therapy. So this is, this is what this shows. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. <laughs> Half kidding. Um, I, when I make a sandwich, I will slice it, uh, horizontally because I am broken where I need perfect symmetry in a certain way. It's the same way where, um, if like, uh, this is, this is, this is weird. If you, if you ever have a, like a thing where there's like a volume control or so there's a way to adjust something, do, does it need to be in an, on an even number and, or do you not care? Well, I have many, many different quirks, but that, then that's not one of them though. No. But I, but you, I've, but you know I've heard about, about it. Right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, for me, it has to be like, if, if there's like a, like, let's say there's a volume control and you have the option of between one and 50 for me, it needs to either be on like, uh, an interval, like, an interval what's the thing a divis- divisor a thing of of 10 or 5 or an even number yeah so okay. you can't you can't leave the volume on 11 of 50 but it can be on 15 or it could be on 18 anyway that's that's yeah no i i um, i i don't personally have that but i a thousand percent get it so no no judgment here yeah um but yeah, but for symmetry's sake, I will frequently uh, like I'll. I was going to say I slice my avocado avocado toast this way, but no, I, but that that's always served open face um, in a in a semi pico style. But it's been a while since I've made it. But no, sandwiches are generally a slice down the middle thing. But this guy, I don't know who Mark Richt is. I'll give that a good Google. Seems like a college coach, maybe question mark? is is the university of georgia a big deal yes i only know of um is it michigan state roll tide or something or go blue is that one of the things i think roll tide is alabama and go uh, you... blue is michigan maybe yeah i don't know but I, that and the that ubiquitous um yellow o for the university of oregon ducks those are the only college teams i know of Mm -hmm. but anyway so apparently there's this guy this was in like a post-game debrief thing there was a reporter who asked a question and somehow it got the head coach or the gm or whatever mark richt to explain his sandwich philosophy and you'll drop a link in the show notes to the um to the video It's, it's a very informative 39 second video and he makes a very compelling case as to why you should slice a sandwich diagonally, which I, I do think now that I reflect on it in terms of like the best deli sandwiches I've ever had, like in Blue Barn does this as well. Not that Blue Barn is in the top tier of Bay Area sandwiches. It's, it's very middle of the road. But the best sandwiches, your best club sandwiches are always sliced diagonally. Um, but he makes a case for based on how you take your bites you're 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 getting the best amount of flavor and you're getting a very satisfying 10 bite sandwich if you do it diagonally as opposed to a straight down the middle cut and i don't know i i I, the the fact that he was able to conjure this up and draw a map like he was drawing a um a football play was actually kind of impressive and I appreciate anybody who in their life has given more than enough thought to a very particular specific thing. And I'm, 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 I'm here for that as kids say. 
Yeah, it's a very Syracusean thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. But again, checking in with Darth every once in a while is always worth it. And not being on Twitter, again, don't miss it. It's mm-hmm. I. I. I don't. Are you? Are you getting anything out of it these days? Not. Not really. No. I'm. I'm mostly still off of it too. Um, well, I am signed out of Google and I do not remember my password. So what is, our, <laughs> I, I remember it, but I don't know where the hyphen goes. It, um, sorry, I've, I've given people one seventeenth of my G of my Gmail password. The, uh, the fact that you don't have your Google password in one password is, you know, I do. Here's actually, well, so this is another thing before we get to follow up. Do, uh, I have four passwords i have five passwords i have memorized i have my one password master password i know my apple id password by memory i know my gmail password my amazon password i think that's mostly it and everything else is in is all random stuff in one password but like do you know your apple id password without going on to one password yes that but that's the that's the only one not even gmail no i i, I don't really ever have to sign into google stuff the the apple thing comes up just often enough where having it memorized is easiest because a lot of times when you get it like in a pop-up dialogue through i don't know some random thing that comes up through settings or the app store just all the other kind of like random times that you get asked for your apple id password it's often in a context where you can't just tap the little password icon and quickly get to one password you've got to like close out of whatever you're in yeah. go to one password go back so like having it memorized is um worthwhile but that that's that's the only password outside of my one password master password that i have memorized would you say that also means that your apple password is probably less secure than most of them i mean i i suppose a little bit but i think it's a pretty good password Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to tell so you what it, it is if that's what you're fishing for. PH. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, give nice. myself an old pat on the back with that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. Uh, oh, that my follow-up question was going to be. So wait, does that mean that you? Because, um, do you stay signed into Chrome? Yes. So then by Chrome automatically for security purposes signs you out every seven days. And apparently five minutes ago was my seven days. So do you not, do you just always use one password for that? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. But in, I mean, in Chrome, that's super, super easy because the one password is right there. In fact, yeah, so- like the my one password icon is two icons over from where you sign into Chrome. So yeah, that's super easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, still don't like the new one password. <laughs> it's 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 objectively worse. And never remembers how big the window should be. Uh this, this is a very Mac specific being my bonnet, but I um all right. I ninety percent of the time am interacting with one password just in Chrome, which is basically its own app. Um but is it? Because I feel like it was for a minute, but now when I go to sign into the thing, and let's say it's been a couple of hours and I'm no longer like fully authenticated, it then opens the one password like actual app. 
and then it will eventually go back to the uh, Chrome plugin. That should. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. Shouldn't shouldn't do that. No the the one <clears throat> the one password extension for Chrome is like basically its own thing. Like you can use you know Touch ID to unlock it like totally separate from the main app. Yeah, it, it's like its own thing. Weird. Oh, so apparently I have the first bit of follow-up. I'm not sure this is follow-up. I actually feel like this is kind of the main topic, but we'll, this will well, be I think, quick, I think. I think. I, I think I put it in follow-up because, I mean, who can remember back two weeks ago to when we last talked? Did I, I, have... I think you had, like, just gotten your 14 and we're going to basically... Yeah, I hadn't, oh, I yeah. hadn't set it up yet, so right. I hadn't used it at all. So 14 Pro, um, so I have it right here. Um, don't like it. The I guess let me ask you in 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 two words. Do you think the 13 Pro or 14 Pro is an upgrade from the 13 Pro? Not really. Look at you. Because <laughs> actually, that could have been a one word answer, and I I, box, I boxed I, you in with two. I, I know you did. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of worse. So one, I'll pat myself on the back again for giving you uh, a pro tip based off of a feature that's actually worse. Which is, um, I have been, and this is a feature, oddly, a lot of people don't know about, is whenever you, you like, I think, honestly, it's like since, like, iOS 6, um, if you need to scroll to the top of any type of UI view, you can just tap the top of the phone, or like, where the time or whatever would normally be, and it'll jump you to the top, which has been a thing that's worked for a decade. Well, and, and, and that's... That's a huge pro tip you gave me because I've historically always just tapped in the middle. Well, because that's where it's always supposed. To, that's always where it was. Yeah, and, but now with the dynamic island on the pro phones, you can uh-huh. you can still technically do that, but but the it, touch target is is ten percent of what it used to be, if that. Yeah, so it was you know damn near impossible to get to work, but but ever since you've given me the the clock tip, there was a little bit of muscle memory I needed to learn, but but now that I've mostly done that, it's it's great. Yeah, so a couple things. So the dynamic island is a feature. So yeah, so it, it makes that specific thing uh, of tap to return to the top of the viewport uh, much, much harder. So you do have two options now, so you can either tap on... So with the... Um, ever since the iPhone ten, when the notch was introduced, you had... Uh, the top of the phone got segmented into left half of the top of the screen pulls down notification center, right half swipe down pulls uh, uh, conjures up control center. So in this one, if you do need to return to the top of the viewport, you have the option of tapping the time where you can tap the battery or status indicators. And that will do the same thing. But prior to that, I think anybody who knew that that existed always tapped the middle and that was just that was that so now the dynamic island sucks like i i i feel it maybe once it gets embraced by third parties or it or third parties have the opportunity to embrace it because they they literally can't right now because it got pushed back into 16.1 or whatever um it might be better but i feel like like i i, I hate it so I'm gonna I'm gonna just list off, and there's there's no rhyme or reason to this review or these thoughts, but just stuff that's bothering me in general. So when I plug in my phone, I sometimes just want to know, hey, what what what's the like? I I let's say I forgot to plug it in when I went to bed, 
and it I wake up at seven thirty eight and i've I've slept through three alarms and I'm at twenty eight percent battery and don't don't judge me um <laughs> you should judge me, but it's okay but um and then I plug it in when I'm like showering and making my espresso sorry different order making a, <laughs> not <laughs> i don't have i don't i feel like it'd be a, a fire hazard I do not have a way to make espresso while I'm showering, although now that I think about it. Well, no, I don't want to put the espresso machine in the bathroom, but I do feel like that would be a time saver. <laughs> but, um, oh, and I still need to fix it. Oh, cause this happened like eight times in the old days. Sorry. In the old days, meaning like four months ago, my trick would be sleep through the first alarm. Second alarm. I will be awake enough to say, Alexa, turn on the espresso machine. But the fucking Wemo skill has been broken for so long that it won't do that. So then I have to go grab my phone and go to the Wemo app, and uh, it, it's like 60% whether it actually responds these days. <laughs> because the thing is, my espresso machine is not like the Breville Barista Express, where it doesn't have that single heat block where it becomes ready within like a minute. Mine, to make good coffee, I, the net where everything's at temp, it does have to be like on for like 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, anyway, so, but that that's neither here nor there, but... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe I should put the express machine into the bathroom. Who knows? Um, but yeah, my was my was my original point. Oh, uh, the dynamic island. Yeah. So, like, it's so yeah. When you go to charge it, like, because Apple thought they were so clever, and they're like, oh well, we can now with this new home screen design and this dynamic island has that has so much contextual. Like you plug it in, and it does this very fluid, neat animation to show you, hey, here's what your charge status is. But then if I, I get out of the shower and I want to see, okay, well, what, what battery percentage am I now? There's no way to find that information without unlocking your phone entirely because that stuff is now only accessible like upon plug-in or when you drop your phone on a wireless charging pad. Like It's just stuff like that where it got more clever, but it also didn't because there's now information that kind of had a place and no longer does but now there's the opposite too which is that and like 85 percent of the time when i'm setting a timer it's on my watch exclusively but sometimes i'll set it on the phone itself and do you ever set timers on the phone occasionally yeah but now with the dynamic island it will like straight up show you that like the timer is unavoidable. Like I don't need this ticking clock in my face all the time. And when you have a timer set in like fairly pronounced orange writing, it'll just show you, Hey, like here's what the timer is. And that takes up this massive touch target on your phone and is super, super distracting. And also like just the out, like the album art and the, like the now playing thing, like, that takes up like an odd amount of screen real estate that I don't need or don't want. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't think this is actually good. Uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty thumbs down on the, on the, the dynamic Island as a feature so far. What's been, you had your phone for like a month. What's your thought on it? I'm squarely in the camp of let's wait until 16.1 and see what third parties do with the live activities API. I, I do think there are going to be some good uses of the dynamic island there, but I do take your point of it being 
distracting. Even something as simple as just minimizing overcast and having your podcast, you know, art up there with a little waveform. Well, because the the waveform grabs your attention. Like, it's it's it's, it's distracting. Yeah. So I haven't really thought about it that way before, but you're totally right. And so as more information is able to be displayed in the dynamic island, you know, through third parties being able to interact with it now, it will be interesting to see what that experience is like, because I think you can even have like up to two different apps up in the dynamic well, island, which, which well, and, does and you like can, would get busy. Well, and you can, which like, like, let's pretend you like, so you have Spotify or Apple music or, or uh, overcast open. And then you set a timer or something like that. Like, yeah, depending on which activity you used most recently, those two things, like there's a little bubble in the right corner and then you have like the more predominant island content based on what you interacted with last. But yeah, it's it's super distracting. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like the way that they introduced the feature at WWDC when we didn't know, like the whole live activities concept actually seemed really fleshed out and very useful but that was more like when they introduced it they they showed it they showed some type of implementation that was not just the lock screen like i don't know maybe it lived in like notification center but like i i think those types of of rich notifications are actually going to be super valuable once it's fully integrated but as it stands now no it, it it it's distracting and it, it's just yeah, I, I I don't care for it. And this is also probably more pronounced for me because I refuse to run my phone in dark mode. So the the island is way more visible when most of your phone screen is generally white mm. than if it's black. But either way, I still feel like, because that is the one thing of like Apple has always had the advantage over Android in that They've always prioritized um, the fluidity of UI animation, which always made the, the phone, even in the days when phones weren't really that powerful, um, it was always super responsive. But like that's the thing where the dynamic island animations are very, very fluid, but that also means like your eye just naturally gravitates towards that, and it's always... Like the whole point of it is to be secondary and somewhat extraneous information. So yeah, I cur- currently yeah, thumbs down. Is there no way to just disable all that stuff? I don't think there is, or I don't. I don't think there's any type of customization options for that area at all. And also, I don't know like what that would also not just sure solve my issue, but you know. Well, I, if. If basically nothing was animating up there, it it sort of just becomes a smaller notch, or well, or like at least a different shaped notch. But no, you're probably right. I know I don't think there's any way to just universally turn it off, unless it could maybe <laughs> yeah. be some sort of accessibility setting, maybe. Um, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, that part of the phone's a bummer. Um, or I, or I, I just don't see the value yet, and any value I'm getting is currently just more distracting than anything else. And again, so profoundly agree with the fact that like 
I don't like that just accidentally touching that section will dump me into Spotify as opposed to just bringing up like an expanded now playing widget. Like the, the, the behavior needs to be reversed, which is what the long press versus the, the, the single tap does. But beyond that, the phone itself is not terribly different. I got the iPhone 14 Pro 512 in deep purple and it's fine. I, I, don't necessarily totally get the the Jason Snell it's gray thing like it's not like it's it's not a, it's like it's a it's a metallic purple it is it is what it is anyway um my other big complaint about the phone or not complaint but like un underwhelmedness is camera kind of sucks mm. do do you have do you, do you agree with that or have you have you noticed no difference or do you think it's decidedly better i I've noticed really no difference. I would say an area that maybe is a little bit of a step back, although it's it's a subjective step back, is, you know, because of the new sensor, when you're in a low-light situation, it will use night mode less frequently than, mm-hmm. like, the 13 and earlier did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, like I think, especially someone like you would would have opinions of night mode, but um, I I generally actually think it does a pretty nice job. I mean, I wouldn't say the photos are particularly natural looking, but they I do think they come out basically you know better than if night mode wasn't turned on. And so then that's kind of what the problem now is that the phone the the fourteen sort of thinks it doesn't need night mode as much. But then sometimes what you end up getting is just a super dark photo, which is not really what you want either. So, so and you know, so you was, can obviously you can manually turn on night mode, so it's not that big of a deal. But it, it's that whole experience is a lot better when it's automatic. So, golf clap to you because that was that's that was that's a a nice job. That was a very profound or not profound, but like, that was a very well articulated. And nuanced uh, evaluation of of why that what what's progressed here, which is that yeah. So with the forty eight megapixel sensor and a and something about the A sixteen or whatever, they're saying that you um, that night mode will respond twice as fast, I guess, or something. Um, well, that that yeah, is the that, other that that's the other thing about night mode now, which actually I think is nice, is that. You know, night mode, I think by default is like one to three second exposure. And, Mm. um, you know, with earlier phones, getting like a full three second exposure wouldn't be that uncommon when you were in a situation where night mode was being used. But now with the 14 Pro, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had it do more than one second. Yeah, I'm trying to find if there's an example photo that I can provide here that's illustrative, but um, I think I deleted all the bad ones. But yeah, so there's a few things there. So one, it's over, it's I guess over reliant on the larger sensor size because this this falls down in a couple of ways. So it is being less aggressive about using night mode, and I would previously and again like because maybe I'm just I'm never gonna be happy, but the um the 13 pro would all, like a lot of times 
invoke night mode when I wouldn't really want it. And I'm like, no, this doesn't need to be a three second long exposure. And also a lot of times night mode looked unnatural. But at the very least, it also, it kind of always had, it had an abundance of light information where you didn't end up that much with a blurry photo. It was actually pretty smart about that. And it would, but the problem was that you ended up, often end up with a, a greatly overexposed photo, but that's something that you could fairly easily adjust in post by bringing down the highlights and, the, and adjusting the black point. But now it's, it's, it's over-reliant on that larger sensor size, which in my experience, and again, I really wish I had a good photo to illustrate this, but I don't. It's, it's making like smudgy photos. It's like if you on like a, on a more traditional camera, just like jacked up the ISO on all your photos and thinking like, oh yeah, everything's great. And it's going to deliver the same images and it doesn't, but then it's doing insanely heavy handed noise reduction post-processing, which then makes it like all your photos just look like you had like Vaseline on the lens. (laughs) Like it's not, it's just not good. Like you're getting, you're and and that's the other part, like, because I don't know how to square this with my other iPhone photography complaint, which has been that since I think the iPhone 12, when they had that, what was it called? Sweater mode, deep fusion or whatever. Like you had a lot of photos that were overly sharp and, but also indiscriminately sharp. Like there was just like, just like random ass elements of a photo that would be too, too, too detailed because the iPhone looks like that's the whole thing when you, when you have like an iPhone. You're taking a picture. It's not taking one picture. It's taking 30 different frames, and it's trying to do a lot of smart processing that does that adjusts that. It'll take one that's overexposed, one that's underexposed, and then tries to line up the sharpness and tries to do like an auto HDR mode. And it does a lot of like it. It does what it can to make the most pleasing images out of what is a, a fairly low quality sensor, just limited by the size of the phone and just just the physics. Like in in it generally does an okay job but now on the 14 pro it seems to be thinking it's better than it is so now like if you take a photo like i like i took a photo on a run like at like 7 10 a.m and i i already deleted the picture but like everything was just it wasn't blurry but it was just smudgy like it looked like a like a charcoal drawing like i i i I don't even know and it's i don't like i don't know if they'll adjust this in future software versions but depending on the lighting circumstances the camera on this is worse it's it's i don't know it's it's like if you're a new photographer on a on a traditional camera and you're somebody who's like oh i always want to shoot everything at iso 100 so that i get the best quality image great but that's also not practical for a lot of other reasons but then if you make a lot of compromises and have super noisy images eventually you're gonna have to do so much to the image that it just makes it look or I, I I don't know I don't know how to explain it but the camera in my experience has been a net negative and then sorry not to talk for a very long time at once but the other part of this phone that makes me really bummed out is the 2x mode button because it's teasing something that could exist but it doesn't because can you remind people of what the 2x button actually does 
So what, is, what does it do? It takes the full 48 megapixel photo, but then essentially just crops kind of the middle square out of exactly it. Exactly right. Yeah. Yep, but that means inherently you're getting a worse quality photo. And even then people are like, people then say that, oh, hey, well, it's a 48 megapixel sensor. If we're doing kind of like, so like on your on your fancy camera, because you have a full frame sensor that's traditionally matches up with the size of a 35 millimeter um, uh, like film image, you could like in lesser cameras, they have what's called APS-C, which would be uh, called crop mode in your camera. You could use a different type of lens and crop in and you're only using maybe 60% of the frame and you're getting a different focal view, but you're going to have less information. So on your fo- on your camera, since it's a 24 megapixel, if you were to do that, you'd only get 11 megapixels. So sure, most people be like, hey, well, that's still better than the old camera, so it's fine. But it's not. And whenever you take pictures in that 2x mode, even though that gives me the focal length and the perspective that I actually really miss from the 11 Pro, the image quality is decidedly worse, and it wor- and it looks worse than the iPhone 11 Pro did. I, it just it's a bummer because I I don't know. I've I've talked to many people about the iPhone camera, both non-photography people and photographers alike. And I just don't know who is happier with the 3X lens versus the 2X lens. Like, do you have a thought? No, I mean, I I um I don't use the zoom on my phone a, a lot. Um, and I, I think maybe that's especially true over the last few years where you know, my, my fancy camera, which I don't have any zoom lenses for, you know, I've really had to learn to zoom with my feet. So I guess I kind of do the same thing with my phone more often now. In fact, I, I just sent you a photo in the thing, which I took a week or two ago. And my, my primary reason for taking it was because I realized I hadn't tried out the two X mode yet. And I just happened to be kind of in a spot where that would, that would make sense. Um, and that, yeah, that's and a, that's a photo where there's like a ton of light. So it's, it's, you're going to get a good photo almost no matter what there, but kind of, but all the leaves are oddly over sharpened. <sighs> yeah, that's because it is nice because that's the thing where the two X lens is kind of doing like an equivalent to a 45 or a 50 millimeter crop or, or the standard focal length in full frame parlance in the three X is doing 75 to 80. Yeah, like the framing, and and that's the thing where the framing of this is like is is nice, and also, kudos to your neighbor who, very uh, uh, effectively buried a, a skeleton in in their <laughs> in their bush. Um, but yeah, but also yeah, the 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 over, yeah, this, actually again, this with tons of light available, pretty smudgy, and also oddly over sharpened in other areas. Well, that's no, actually... I, that was something I noticed bringing it up on my Mac, which I I don't think I don't think I've looked at this picture that closely before. Um, it is a bit weird how the edges of the photo seem to be like the proper amount of sharpness, or like almost Correct. more in focus, whereas the center of the photo almost looks like it's a bit out of focus, which is which is strange. Yeah, it's again, it's it's all the computational photography stuff. They're they're just trying to do too much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but yeah, the the, the camera's kind of underwhelming. Um, 
and like I'm not I'm not gonna shoot in raw like that that's what I have a real camera for so I I that whole thing doesn't really appeal to me but I don't know the one thing I will actually no I won't even give it that I think I tried action mode like twice in the video context and I think it was it was fine I don't know yeah, no, 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 no partial points given. Anyway, beyond that, um, yeah, I mean, the phone's fine. Like, again, it does not feel faster and all. And then that's the thing where the A16 is a very iterative minor upgrade over the A15. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fine. I, I, yeah. Can't cameras is either is either treading water or sometimes worse, and yeah, the dynamic island is a huge distraction right now, and um, I don't like roller coasters, so the crash detection thing is not is a non-issue for me. <laughs> All right, do you have any uh, stray thoughts or any updates based off of the uh, additional two weeks of living with your 14 Pro Max, or still pretty? It's an iPhone. It, it's an iPhone, yeah. It's um, not not the most exciting upgrade this year overall. No. All right. Um, where did I put Chrome? There we go. Oh, okay. Sorry, uh, I promise I'll stop talking soon. iOS and sixteen suck. Uh, iOS sixteen and WatchOS nine are the worst. So. I do you use your uh, your Apple Watch as a remote for like audio playback on your phone? Uh yeah, I do quite a bit. So are you also quite mad at the removal of the now playing thing? Um Well, I, I guess I actually didn't notice that was gone. Like the, the two the two ways I typically interact with audio on my watch are through the workout app and that hasn't changed as far as i can tell Mm -hmm. um or just through the overcast app which i have in my watches dock for quick accessibility got it Hmm. it's weird or or that's hmm. i mean that's my thing is that like i will frequently it's probably more of a, a living alone type thing but like i will start playing a podcast or some music on my iPhone and then I'm airplaying that to one of the Sono speakers. And then I'm just I'm walking around and I want to like skip a track or I want to do something on previous versions of watch OS. And this, this, this harkens back to the, um, like watch OS two days. Do you remember when the th- thing where you, when you swiped up from the bottom of the watch, you used to have those, um, they were called glances. Yes, I do. So there used to be one of the key ones used to be like a now playing glance. So whatever was either if you're playing independent audio on your watch or if you were playing audio on your phone, the Apple Watch would act as a remote um, and a controller for that type of thing. And then I think in watchOS 5, when they kind of re- abandoned that idea, they just made um, a now playing app. And they also made it so that if you were playing audio on the watch or your phone, there was just always kind of this persistent notification at the top of your watch where if you tapped it, it would then jump you into this little remote that would allow you to pause or skip tracks or do any of that kind of stuff, even if the audio was being played off your phone. And that in watchOS 9 has been fully removed. 
So you then either have to manually go into the Now Playing app or go into the music app on your watch or, or whatever you happen to be doing. So if you're not actively doing a workout, you have to go navigate to the actual app that's generating the audio to be able to have any type of audio controls or adjust the volume or do anything with that. And for me, that that, that is honestly 30% of what I do for would do with the watch. Like I I set timers, I use it to track runs, and I use it as a airplay remote. Like that's that's the gist of what I use the watch for. Um and yeah, that feature has been removed and that stinks. Like I yeah, I, I very much don't like that. Um and then I don't remember what my complaint about iOS 16 was, but there there are or were many, and they'll probably come to me later in the show. <laughs> I don't know. Do you like you you have you've had no bees in your bonnet about the new software? Well, I, I did until you gave me the um, the clock oh, the time tip. Time. <laughs> that was a major um, problem that I was having. Um, other than that. Well, um, notifications, I continue not to like. Yes, that, um, there we go. That was it. Something that I've had happen to me multiple times with this phone that I, I can't ever remember happening before is I will occasionally, you know, kind of swipe up on the notification area and realize that I have like a bunch of notifications from like the previous day that I never cleared, which I just generally have you know have a pretty good habit of like clearing out notifications relatively frequently which is especially easy to do if you have an apple watch but because of how out of sight notifications are now in ios 16 sometimes they kind of just pile up there and just don't you know get cleared as regularly um yeah or i'm even i'm actually even finding myself sifting through notifications and clearing them out more on my watch just because it's it's almost like they're they're more readily available there than they are on the <laughs> phone now um yeah which is weird so yeah notifications i i can't say i super like that the changes they've made there yeah that that was my big ios 16 complaint that I, that thank you for reminding me is it, yeah the, the the notifications thing and i and i've talked about this on a uh episode two weeks ago i think it's like just that it's worse if if you actually listen to them and kind of tweaked your settings and and set certain apps to deliver quietly. Yeah, you just sometimes like maybe every couple of days you will accidentally swipe on your phone in a way that shows you, "Oh, you have 16 notifications from whatever and that you didn't really know were there." And yeah, that that's not good. And and I don't this happened a couple of days ago and I don't know what I did, but I did something where it showed me like a thing at the bottom of notification center that suggested that, Hey, there's notifications you aren't seeing right now, maybe swipe up. And I, and I was like, Oh, that's great. And I have no idea how I made that happen. And it's never happened again. And again, when I pull down a notification center and uh, swipe up, I have seven notifications from the Chronicle, a couple things from test flight and a bunch of other stuff and a daily summary from Dark Sky that I never got notified about and honestly can't be bothered to try to figure out how to fix. I just, yeah, notifications are worse, and notifications have been bad on iOS for a decade, and uh, much like Stage Manager, I assume Apple will not give this another go for another three years, and 
they'll pretend that they fixed it then too. Yeah, the, the other challenge that I have with notifications, which I'm I don't I'm not entirely sure this is an iOS 16 thing or if this was an issue before, but it does the thing where if you get multiple notifications from the same app, they kind of stack on top of each other. Yeah. And it's it's sometimes very difficult to tell whether or not there's a stack of notifications or whether it's just a single notification. And it's it's annoying because if you if you wrongly tap on a notification thinking that there's a stack but it's actually just a single notification then it'll it'll open that app which you don't necessarily mm-hmm. want especially if what you're expecting to have happen is for those notifications to unstack because if you thought there was more than one um yeah you'll get this very very faint like it very much looks kind of like a um Remember that like time machine on early versions of OS ten? Right. Yeah. Like it has that kind of like, hey, here's stuff behind it and like prior revisions. And then if you tap on it, actually let me just try right now. Yeah. So if you if you tap on it, you will get an expanded view of all quietly delivered notifications from that app. But if you then happen to have thought like there were phantom notifications beneath it, it will then actually open the app and then you'll just yeah. and then you'll swipe away in disgust and just, you know. <laughs> exactly yeah and so i'm i'm finding myself doing that semi often which is which is annoying yeah so yeah it's 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 pretty rough on the edges i have not had a chance to or i've not bothered um testing out to see if the spotify bug has been or the the watch os bug that caused spotify not to work has been fixed um because it, it's just too much of a hassle to have your music interrupted. So I have done the a ridiculous step of having to clone my running playlist and put that in Apple Music because I know Apple Music does work. And it's not that Spotify doesn't work. It's that Apple has broken it, and but I'm using what I know works just out of self-preservation for not wanting something that doesn't work. Well, it, it, I mean, it seems like watch OS, whatever it is, 902 probably does fix it because they actually called out Spotify specifically in the release notes, which I, I can't ever remember Apple calling out a third party app in its release notes before. So that, I mean, okay. that seems like highly, highly specific and visible. So yeah, because <laughs> it looked anti-competitive that they basically just straight up broke a competitor's <laughs> app for no real reason. <laughs> Because uh, I mean, you um, you hear this all the time where there's there's the generic like bug fixes and improvements or whatever, and then people have to like test out a bunch of different stuff to see if the update fixed whatever their particular problem is. And in a lot of cases, it 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 did. And like behind the scenes somewhere, I'm sure it was on a list, but it's just not publicly shared. And so to have the Spotify thing like literally, I think it's I think it's actually like the first bullet point in the release notes of yeah, it's Watch OS nine point zero point two. So. Seems like a safe bet that it, it's probably fixed now. Okay, I'll give it a try this weekend. Um, anyway, so the software's a mess, but that is all. All right, a few other bits of follow-up. Um, man, Jason, uh, as, as they say about young people, Jason Snell has been on one recently. And I, I actually ha- I have a lot of pushback. Or I feel like his anger, specifically one about... So there's a few things. So I don't actually know if we talked about it, uh, the matter standard we did yeah fin- yeah so it got finalized and is being adopted and rolled out and also and sorry clarify for me 
are matter and thread the same thing? So, <laughs> n- no. So, matter is a standard by which smart home devices can communicate with each other. That communication can be facilitated over either Wi-Fi or over Thread. So Thread is a um, one of the two kind of wireless mechanisms by which the communication of matter devices happens. But are they closely related? Like, were they developed, like, somewhat hand-in-hand? Or are they just, I, have they just been contemporaneous? I think, I think so, because I don't believe that Thread is actively being used for like anything else right now like because i mean devices for a while now have been coming with thread radios including you know devices like the homepod mini and and like apple like the new apple tv um it's got a thread radio i think maybe even the one before that did i, I don't know there, there's just random devices that have thread radios but i i don't really think they use that radio for anything and won't until matter rolls out Mm. Well, so but then that implies that they are related. Oh yeah, no, they're they're definitely related, but they're not the same thing. Got it. But yeah, so I, a few things. So no, but like so yeah, like so. But on both the six color secret podcast, or maybe not so secret anymore. But and also on on upgrade this week, yeah, Jason Jason is friend of the show. Jason Snell uh, is is very 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 mad <laughs> that the that his the 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 Nest thermostat is not. It's up in the air as to whether or not it will support matter and the um, features and actual implementation of how matter will change people's interaction with these products is actually also not confirmed. But he's very, very mad about the fact that that his thermostat's not getting it. And I just, I don't, smart home stuff has been bad and um, a gamble where you will frequently be left holding the bag, so to speak for a very long time i kind of don't get how this is any different and how like in in this the other part about like home kit specifically and that's where people think matter is going to somehow be some type of um miracle drug for it home kit has had like four different rewrites and false starts where it's just it's gotten better and worse in different ways and apple's contribution to smart home ecosystems and like any type of Harmony, not the Logitech product, but like Harmony and just like the actual essence of the word. I It's it's never gotten any better. So HomeKit has also been kind of a Lucy with the football type thing. I don't, I don't get anybody who right now is expecting smart home stuff to be good or that Apple's contribution to smart home stuff is actually worthwhile. Does that make sense? It does. And I mean, ironically, Jason Sell is also the one who often says this, which is something to the effect of, you know, never buy hardware for the future promise of a software update. Um, the the one thing about this Nest situation, though, that, that is pretty bizarre. And I, and I admit, I'm a little biased here because I'm actually in literally exactly the same <laughs> position as Jason is as a as an owner of a Nest Learning Thermostat and as somebody who, you know, would enjoy having that be accessible through something like HomeKit without having to set up some weird HomeBridge thing. 
um, the, the the weird thing here is that they've since come out with this new like cheapo Nest thermostat. Like it's literally it's it's a lot cheaper in price and in look and function, and and that one is going to have matter support. So it's just it's just strange to have your cheaper product get this nice new feature and your more expensive one which which is also still actively being sold by the way it's not like it's some you know discontinued product or anything that that may being, not get it but it wasn't being sold under the guise that it supports this amorphous technological standard it, totally no right um i mean and also I, it, yeah in I'm, terms of unit sales it could the the, the cheapo one could totally selling eight to one it it could i mean no, just, you're right you're right i mean like it's just kind of like it's it's all like i i i i have not been i don't get why everybody's so jazzed about the matter thing when we don't actually know if it functionally it's actually better like it, it doesn't there's been no implementation yet or something that says somehow that hey this actually works great and you aren't going to have this like oh, did you listen to last week's six college podcast I did, yeah. I, I like. I really liked the the Dan Morin line where he was like, "You have like multiple devices in your home that could act as a hub, and what like they're all just looking at each other, saying, oh, I thought you were going to do this.' <laughs> like, I, like because that is actually totally true. Where you have like you can have multiple devices that could do a thing, and somehow n- none of them want to step up to the plate, and they're all just like, "Oh, well, are you leading this meeting? Like, who 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 even knows?" But like, I just I don't suddenly. Th- one, when you buy something, you have no expect. You should have zero expectations that it does a thing that it doesn't do on day one. Like, and, and not that like that should be like a hey, you you dumb consumer like type thing. It's just like it is what it is. Like again, yeah, d- don't buy something on the premise of it. It will be updated to do what you want. You buy it with as as though it will never get another software update in its life. But like, yeah, just like I I haven't heard a clear description of what Matter actually does and how it will get implemented to the point where it will actually be a meaningful change in everybody's lives. And also, like every smart home stuff and most technological things, is the first year and a half and all of the 1.0 versions, which in tech these days, 1.0 means like pre-public beta. It's like it's basically alpha software still. Like I I don't know. Like I, 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 I fail to see why anybody's getting mad that a thing's not getting a thing which is unproven to do the thing that people actually think it should do. Yeah, no, that that that's a fair point, and that's I think that's where I'm at with Matter now. I, I was, you know, pretty excited when it was announced a couple of weeks ago that the standard had been finalized and that we were really getting close to starting to see the first wave of products and software updates. But kind of since then, especially given the lack of implementation details, which which you mentioned as well, I've I'm now very much in like a wait and see mode. And, you know, my my guess is that over the next month, as all this stuff rolls out, there's going to be all kinds of weird limitations and bugs that, that I, you know, I think will probably get resolved over time, given all the attention um, that's that's on this standard. Um, but, you know, that that's going to take a little bit of time to shake out. Yeah. 
All right. So on that note, my home networking setup. So a couple of things. So I had mentioned on la- la- the last episode two weeks ago that I was thinking of divesting myself from the ubiquity unify lifestyle because one, I think four months ago, I think I talked about on the show, I accidentally somehow deleted my network configuration. And while I had a lot of other stuff to do, I, I, I broke my home network. And that was not ideal, as they say. But I just kind of was like, there's got to be an easier way. And like by my, ever since I moved to my new place, which has a lot of neighboring apartments, I guess like the Wi-Fi radios are just very crowded. And my, my wireless throughput was just not very good. And I just couldn't be bothered to fix it or go tweak the 8,000 settings the, the Unify software has. So I got an Eero 6 Plus Pro. What's it called? Eero, just Eero Pro 6? Eero Pro. And the Eero Pro 6, which supports Wi-Fi 6E, but I don't think I have any devices that support wi- uh, 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 Eero Pro, or that was support Wi-Fi Pro 6E, unless I go buy the low-end iPad. We'll talk about that later. Um, so this, the Eero, it's fine. Like, I have not, knock on wood, had the connectivity dropouts that people seem to um, dislike this product for. Um, one thing is that I did turn off the thread radio, which was allegedly part of the problem. So I guess I can't use matter. I, again, still still unclear. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's it's fine. I, 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 I got that and I bought a Cisco 16 port switch and it's fine. My, my, my networking closet i sent you a picture of it is decidedly simpler than it was a week ago and it's fine like i i am being like anytime i get like any buffering or anything like i'm 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 getting like oddly like nervous about it like i'm like oh is this is this the dreaded bug but then i'll go on like my laptop and be like no the internet's like everything's fine so i don't know i i i'm not getting any of these connection drops so Maybe it's fine. Maybe they fixed it. Um, throughput speeds are literally three to four times faster than the ubiquity stuff. Like I'm consistently getting six to seven hundred megs down on my uh, like recent generation Apple products, and it's yeah, it's fine. I don't I don't love the Euro app. I don't like the app based interface. But if the alternative was a super complicated network that I sometimes accidentally broke it's <laughs> i like this is it's a, it's a it's a different it's 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 the opposite end of the spectrum but i feel like it's mostly okay like for the past week i think it's fine i am kind of curious about the nest wi-fi the pro wi-fi wi-fi pro but um you are not going to be available to tell me what it's like because you believe uh in the promise of uh, the TP Link Corporation. <laughs> is that a is that a segue? That was nice. It is. Well, I mean, I, unless you have anything to contribute to the Eero thing, but I mean, I guess my my TLDR on that is, it's fine. I think it's I think it's good so far. I I don't know, and I'm not not looking for problems. I'm not I'm not looking for election interference. Just Wi-Fi interference. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I've had a bit of a, a, a flip flop with my networking approach over the last couple of weeks, where when we last spoke, I had just pre-ordered the um, Google Nest Wi-Fi 
Pro, in large part really because the software, well, the app for the TP-Link stuff was, like, was just, it was so bad. Just such a bad interface. And, you know, that that was kind of a not not the best reason in the world to, like, completely upgrade your network hardware, especially because, you know, this Nest stuff would be, you know, my, my basically my fourth different set of wireless routers this year, which is just, just too, too much. Um, and sure enough, since, since we've last talked, um, TP-Link came out with a completely redesigned version of their uh, Deco app, which is Deco's like the name of <clears throat> this, you know, mesh Wi-Fi stuff that they do. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's actually pretty good. Um, it's, it's a whole heck of a lot prettier than the old version was. It's much more logically laid out. It shows a lot more information. It's, it's pretty solid. So I went ahead and canceled my um, Google Nest Wi-Fi Pro pre-order in large part because of the the app update. And there there were a couple of other reasons too. I mean, one I've already mentioned, which is I've I've already <laughs> gone through so much networking change this year, like also changing ISPs. And then at the end of last year, I also had like that weird problem with xfinity and the line that was coming into my house and like just i'm just kind of over dealing with like networking stuff and and my current setup is working really well so kind of no reason to just you know redo all that again um but then also the other couple of things are i was also tempted by the nest stuff because it it has thread radios in it and as far as i know i don't have anything else currently that does so i was thinking like oh great i'll be like ready for matter but then as we just discussed i'm thinking like like am i really going to get any utility out of that for a while if ever so like that's not a great reason to jump into this um and then another point which i feel like maybe you'll connect with here too which is that as i've gotten older my urge to be an early adopter with new technology <laughs> has greatly diminished um and so like you know th- this is like a brand new set of networking hardware from Google and they they have a pretty solid track record in- including the stuff that I've had in the past so it'll probably be fine but if it's not like I don't I don't want to be a part of the you know, early you're 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 past the age where you're willing to buy stuff and know that you're you're a beta tester, not an end consumer. Well, yeah, well, and and especially with something like my Wi-Fi gear, because you know, <laughs> a lesson learned over this past year is that you know your home networking setup, particularly in this you know working from home environment that I'm in now, is it's it's pretty darn important, and it's not something that you want to be thinking about or futzing with at like at all um so um yeah and it, like it, it occurred to me as i was you know thinking about canceling that pre-order that you know as, as much as i've disliked the tp link app which again has is basically fixed now like i haven't had to like 
power cycle any of that stuff or, or anything like I don't think at all like since I've set it up back in the spring so um you know it's it's been pretty rock solid so you know why why mess with it and you know my speeds are speeds are good you know getting um you know my full gig up and down when I'm hardwired like even here in the office um where it's you know <clears throat> going through a couple of different hops through the house including all that like crazy cabling that I ran underneath the house and then you know my wi-fi speeds are you know typically in the 600 or whatever down range which you know is about as good as you're going to do with with wi-fi 6 in in the real world so so yeah i i'm i'm going to i'm going to stick with this stuff for now and I, you know if if the net, if that nest stuff ends up being great and if having a thread radio is like a must have in your smart you know home setup like I can always buy that stuff later. And there's there's probably going to be sales on it like over the holidays and into next year too. So yeah, sticking sticking with what I got for now. Is there a term for that? Term for like that that maturation or that that aging out of needing like thinking more rationally about do I do I want the newest thing or do I want this thing to work? I feel like that's that's something that that's yeah it goes hand in hand with going to getting into your thirties, which is that yeah just yeah if it's would, working. I, don't mess with it. I was gonna say it's it's just it's just maturing. <laughs> well, but uh, many many forty year olds prove that you don't have to that, that that's optional. So. I think I think the other, so the other part of it too is, and I feel like you'll you can relate to this too, which is. I think part of the reason I didn't used to care so much about being an early adopter and maybe having to work through issues was like, I had the time to do that. So like, you know, <laughs> if those, if those issues came up working through them was, you know, in, I mean, in some ways, like as a tech nerd, like it's kind of fun, right. Or satisfying when you figure it out. It's not anymore. But yeah, I know now, you know, I mean, time is so limited in the day that like the last thing that I want to be, allocating any time to is troubleshooting something that could have just been avoided if i didn't buy the thing in the first place so yeah. or like you know troubleshooting something that had a perfectly good working solution prior to it mm. or is or is working not, like you, you, the reason you chose to bark up this tree was that the new thing might be 10 percent better and you've now wasted an entire saturday afternoon trying to fix it and make it 80 percent as good as the last thing <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, it might you know, be and I, and, might be ten percent better today with like the promise of like having this future functionality that may or may not be good for anything. Yeah, like I'm not that busy, but, but like yeah, it, I've become to or I've come to realize that I'd much rather have that time to uh, feel guilty about not doing other things than wasting time on tech projects that I don't actually need to bark up that tree about right and then also like becoming becoming more rational about what i'm going to use versus what i'm not going to use like an, another thing that that nest setup has is wi-fi 6e which very very few devices even today have and well actually <clears throat> up until this this apple hardware stuff which we'll get to in a minute from yesterday there were no apple devices that had wi-fi 6e and you know now the new ipad pros do um and also the lowest end ipad oh does it really 
<laughs> it does. <laughs> um, well, anyway, like, you know, I, I mean, again, like, we'll get to this, but I mean, I have no intention of buying a new iPad. So I, you know, am still not going to have a Wi-Fi 6E device in the house. I mean, probably at least until i mean i guess the next iphones you like next year will have it probably um so like you know like me being excited about those nests routers having wi-fi 60 is is kind of completely irrational where i was like maybe i like in the past maybe i still would have bought into that but now i'm like taking that step back and being like wait like i'm not even going to use that and on top of that when maybe the new iPhone comes out next year and it has Wi-Fi 6E, okay, great. Now I'm getting like, what, 800 down now instead of 600 down? Like what what difference is that going to make day to day? Um, so yeah, just thinking more rationally about that stuff now, I guess is the takeaway there. Yeah. Um, there was one other Eero thing that that came to mind when you were talking. Um, do, do your you had the the Sonos experience? Yeah, yeah. That, the, <gasps> oh, thank you. Look man. at look at you. And it, but here's the thing: it's actually fine because I like I think we differ in that I never ever ever like the Sonoses to me. I I don't have the I don't have any of them acting as an Amazon Echo. I don't ever use the Sonos app all they are are airplay speakers to me so in that sense they actually work just fine out of the box like that's when i thought like oh hey i i didn't have that bug that ryan was talking about and then i opened up the sonos app for the first time and then it popped up this thing that says hey did you unplug an ethernet cable or something i'm like no but kind of but like <laughs> it didn't but yeah like in terms of airplay like well it was fine and that's literally all i use them as like they're they're just wi-fi speakers um, that you can pair together and that's, that's fine. But, um, yeah, I, it actually wasn't much of a hassle to get them like happy again with the Sonos app proper. Like it was, it was like three taps, but, um, yeah, I kind of got bitten by that same bug, but also, yeah, it doesn't, didn't really end up mattering to me. Yeah, no, it, it's not really that big of a deal it's not it's not terribly difficult to um fix although the one of the times i was swapping out my networking gear gear this year it, it did give me a little bit of trouble but but was able to you know fix it without too much extra effort but it's just it's more just kind of the the principle of it where i i mean i literally have you know 30 40 other devices in this house that connect to wi-fi and Every single other one of those devices, I think, has had no problem with my networking gear swapping. But Sonos I, just, I don't know, I don't know what it is about the way that they've implemented Wi-Fi on their devices, but it just completely melts down when you swap your, your Wi-Fi router. Yeah, ever since I switched it, however, my Roomba is still offline and I can't be bothered, nor do I know how to fix it. Yeah, my Roomba's no longer oh, talking to the internet. That... Yeah, I, I've had that happen before too, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was when I swapped networking gear. I think it just it happened randomly one day, and I yeah, I remember it taking me a little while to figure out how to like reset its Wi-Fi. Like, there's no like, there's no paperclip hole on a room. Is no, there? I don't no. like. I don't know what I'm what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I um, yeah, I actually don't. I don't remember what I did to get mine to work. 
you have to put enough dirt on the floor and then it knows yeah that's the because yeah. <laughs> i actually be... we, we we do use the 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 echo skill a fair bit like it's it's nice to like as you're walking out of the house to be able to give it a voice command to clean an area that's that's pretty handy so yeah having having ours connected to the internet's nice i have a, a random rumor question it when because i I recently ran it and it was it was going over a rug and it feels like it tur- like does it actually vacuum rugs or does it just go into a different mode that makes the motor sound different? It 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 is it does dynamically change like its suction power. So I feel I feel like it it's basically just putting itself into let's move around only and it's just like it's straight up not cleaning on like it is kind of a fairly thick rug so I don't know but. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we yeah, we have one thicker rug in the the nursery. Well, actually, <laughs> on that rug, the Roomba just gets stuck. So, <laughs> so we we you know we we have, and this is actually a nice a nice feature of the of the newer Roombas where you don't have to set up one of those little pillar things to like tell it, hey, don't don't go in this area. Like you can actually just draw on the map to say like, hey, don't don't go here. Um, yeah. So. Like I don't, I don't think it's gonna get stuck, but I, I feel like it is straight up being like, "Hey, this is maybe too thick for me." Like, and it's not really that thick of a rug, but like, it just will be like, "No, nope, actually, I'm just gonna move myself around, but I'm literally gonna turn off the vacuum part yeah. for this." Yeah, well, and, and you know, we're I think we're we're in alignment on the fact that you know a Roomba can't be your only vacuum because, as neat as they are, like, don't get me wrong, like I I really really like our Roomba and it, the the way that iRobot has continue to iterate on their products both hardware and software wise i think is really really cool but like with all that being said like if we're being honest like they're still not spectacular vacuums <laughs> so you know i mean they're fine for what they are but yeah i mean just kind of by sheer physics of you know how small they are there's there's only so much they can do and i think you mean irobot a, a jeffco company i, I do um, yeah and yeah, and also doubling down on a previous chef special, I think this this uh, Dyson, I, I don't know what it is, that this stick vacuum thing, I love it. It's it's a insanely versatile vacuum. I I, I know I feel like you you weren't super jazzed on those cordless stick vacuums, but now this thing's been a champ. No, yeah, I, I, um, I love it. I had a, a Dyson one from like over 10 years ago um, that I never really loved. But when we now have a, um, it might be a Hoover. I, I I forget which brand it is, but it's, it's the same idea. It's like one of those cordless stick vacuum thingies. And um, it's great. It actually, so it has a feature on it, which I completely poo-pooed when I saw it. I thought like, what a what a dumb thing to have. But it actually has ended up being maybe one of my favorite parts about it it has a light like a really really bright led that shines mm. in front of it um and even during the day there's a there's a shocking amount of stuff and most notably dog hair in our house that you actually don't really notice until there's like a bright light <clears throat> being shown on it so it's mm. actually it's actually it's actually really it's actually really nice Um. All right, and then, oh, Jesus, we're still in follow up. Uh, last bit is a product that I'm vaguely curious about. 
Um, because I have uh, uh, famously, you know, let's go with that, famously uh, av- avoided and refused to uh, to buy a knockbox or, as the British call it, a bang bin. Um, <laughs> did yeah. they? Do they really call it that? Did we we did this as a show opener once? If you if you if you go to Wikipedia and you uh, type in uh, knockbox, uh, hold on, knockbox. I was gonna say I'm I'm not. I'm I'm not going to Google no, search. So, if you, so en wikipedia slash wiki slash knockbox. A knockbox, uh, in parentheses, informally known as a bash bin, comb, a coffee column, slam piece, or a bang bang, <laughs> is a, this shit's made up, is uh, a device used to store spent espresso grounds called a puck after a shot of espresso has been pulled. Citation needed. Um... So yes, a bash bin or a bang bang. All right. So um, there is a new, this is like a two month old product from the, uh, the Breville or Sage family of companies. It's, and also I don't really don't like the name and it's called <laughs> the, uh, the uh, puck sucker mm-hmm. TM trademark, 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 no knock, no mess, no fuss, quietly release your espresso coffee puck. So I don't know if this page shows the video. I think it was a YouTube thing first. But basically, it's a little, it's, it's a knockbox. Um, it's kind of more like just like a vacuum, like an OXO vacuum thing, but it's got a 9-volt battery in it that will release the espresso puck for you without you having to, like, slam it against the counter, which I think is an improvement. Like my current thing, and I and I don't know if you ever told me a reason not to do this, but like I just, and I'm not banging it against anything. I'm just like slapping it into the kitchen sink, and like if you do it right after you make the coffee, like it just disintegrates, and it's like you run water over it for three seconds, and it's fine. But this seems neat. I don't know. It it has a very silly name, but it's kind of cool. Like it's it's sold out on the Australian Breville store for some reason, but um, and I don't know why that's where it redirected me to. But yeah, people should. I think the puck sucker is going to be the hot gift. It's gonna be the tickle me Elmo of twenty twenty two. Yeah, I um, I don't hate this um, because I I do have a knock box and and really, I, I I like having it, but. It it is messy for sure, um, and you know thanks to your little um, sweeper thing, um, not not terribly difficult to clean up coffee grounds that are on the counter. But um, if that just never happened in the first place, that would be that would be nice. Um, yeah, but the problem with this is is that this would not work for you because it it works with fifty eight fifty, uh, not the wrapper fifty eight millimeter porta filters not the 54 that the breville barista expresses mm, got it. so you'd have to upgrade to the uh oracle touch or the breville dual boiler which is a very respectable espresso machine but probably does not would not get um it'll get vetoed on counter clearance yeah yeah um yeah no this is this is neat um don't love the nine volt battery thing. That's kind of lame. But um, do you want another thing that's going to charge over micro USB? <laughs> because you know Breville would be a micro USB company. Uh, probably. Yeah. Anyway, neat and silly name. 
All right. Uh, I think we just have Apple stuff after this, but... Uh, yeah, I think I, I would probably propose... We'll, we'll throw everything else in the um, yeah. next week bin other than this. Uh, then we'll just talk about the Apple stuff. Yep. All right. Can you give us a rundown on... So, again, I didn't pay attention because, again, I'm not on Twitter. There was no event, right? C- correct. So that... Before getting into the actual product stuff, like the the meta stuff about the announcement, is that there was no event, which, um, you know, especially while Apple's been doing, you know, the video only event stuff, which obviously, you know, they've been doing for the past you know, few years now, you know, the, the bar's been relatively low to put one of those out like we've we've had some like especially like around the spring often and then even some of the fall stuff like other than the iphone event has been fairly minor updates but that that hasn't stopped apple from from doing the video thing in the past which which has been fine right like they're not requiring anybody to like fly out to cupertino or anything like i assume the production costs to like put one of those together is relatively low. Like they get to control the message. Like there seems like there's a lot of pros to to, to doing that. So it kind of makes sense to have the bar to do one of those be pretty low. But but evidently uh, <laughs> this round of announcements um, didn't didn't even meet that standard. And so we we just got the the kind of the old press release um, announcement, which um, Apple's done that in the past too. So this isn't something totally new but i i don't think they've done it since they've started doing these video events at this you know the start of the pandemic so um so yeah just kind of um kind of interesting that they they opted not not to do a video event um and we'll we'll put a a link to a darth tweet in the notes which sort of summarizes <laughs> summarizes the the rollout here, which is if Apple is not excited enough about a new product to hold an event, then I will also temper my enthusiasm, Tim Apple. Which is pretty good. Um, <clears throat> and then the other sort of like meta thing that happened around the event is that, um, well, the other thing that Apple did do to to promote the announcement was they had um, Tim Cook tweet about it. And he used the hashtag take note, um, which well, is which has been the the slogan of the Utah Jazz for the past few years. Um, so it wasn't just a hashtag. It was one of those, you know, how Twitter lets you buy a hashtag or there's a promoted yeah, or sponsored right. hashtag. But yeah, I did not. Well, one. So, yes, there's the NBA angle where the Utah Jazz was previously the Louisiana. Where were they from originally? Wiki Utah. New Orleans, I think, right? Yeah, the New Orleans Jazz from 1974 to 1979, and then Utah, the land of Mitt Romney, of course, the most appropriate place for a jazz team. But um, also did not know that the Memphis Grizzlies were previously of Vancouver, Canada. They were, turns That's out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but the, take note, not bad. I'm surprised there was never any overlap or cross-promotion with Samsung, but that's, yeah, that's... This was a silly controversy. I'm not sure if it actually bubbled up into being that, but I, th- I thought it was funny. Yeah, so the, we'll the, we'll put a link in the notes to kind of the uh, <laughs> the controversy around that. Um, I'm not sure either uses of take note are actually that 
novel. So I don't think either side gets to be mad. Right, exactly. Um, so then now getting into the actual announcements themselves, we'll do, I guess, kind of a quick rundown and then can kind of go back and dig into the details where we want to. So new base level iPad, the iPad 10th generation, which is which is its literal marketing name. Um, we've got new iPad Pros, so a new 11-inch iPad Pro and a new 12.9-inch iPad Pro, both with the M2 processor now. And then we've got a new Apple TV, along with a um, slightly revised version of the Siri remote, which has USB-C as its connector instead of Lightning, So I, which immediately makes me assume that you've pre-ordered one of these in your in your quest to rid your household of anything other than USB-C. Mm-hmm. Have, have you actually ordered one of these? I was kind of kidding, but not kidding. No, no, I'm sorry. Which product are we talking about? The Siri remote. No, no. So that will actually, we'll, we'll get to that later because I actually think the Apple TV product is actually probably the most interesting part of all oh, of this. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so no, but like there were some USB changes, USB-C changes on the iPad itself, but yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I guess the the yeah. Well, we'll I guess we'll get into it, but yeah, the the base level iPads got USB C now as well. Um, and then on the software front, we got confirmation that iOS sixteen point one and iPad OS sixteen point one are coming next week on October twenty fourth. You know, iPad OS sixteen point one, of course, is going to be the iPad's you know first version of of um kind of OS sixteen or whatever the shared name between iOS and iPad OS is. Um, which is going to bring stage manager, which you know, we'll kind of see how <clears throat> see, see how that goes. Um, but then, you know, more um, excitedly with iOS 16.1, we're going to officially be getting live activities, which we talked about earlier, and we're going to be getting the shared photo library, which I'm which I'm excited to try. Although, also like we were talking about earlier. Not sure that's something I'm going to like immediately jump into day one, <laughs> um, or at the very least, is something that I will slowly experiment with and not just immediately <laughs> put my entire photo library into. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of the 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 rundown of everything that we got. Um, what's what stands out to you? It sounds like maybe the Apple TV well, stuff actually. Well, let's let's save the best for last, okay. and that 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 is meant to say this is not an event for me at all. So the iPads. So there were. Do you want to talk about the iPad Pro or the low end iPad? Let's start with first. the the entry level iPad first. So this is the most interesting part, or like of the iPad stuff. This is very interesting to me. So I have no idea what's going on with the regular iPad right now. Or sorry, with with the iPad Air. Because uh, basically the ninth generation iPad, which has been that, which looked the exact same as all the other iPads, of uh, like big, big top forehead and and the home button chin forever, and now the tenth generation iPad gets a look that is very reminiscent of the iPad Air. It has, as Apple says, an edge to edge screen, which as um, a friend of the show Jesse Char mentioned during the iPhone ten announcement. I think she, her quote was, uh, you could land like a 747 <laughs> on those like bezels. Like that's, uh, not edge to edge. It's fine. Like it doesn't have a home button, but like even in the promotional images, like 
that's a big ass border. Like, and I, and I do think it's actually good because I, I, I don't want like, I wouldn't want like phantom like touchscreen presses. Like I do think there should be a decent amount on a device that size of like border to it, but like, yeah, not edge to edge anyway. Um, so yeah, but the thing is it's, it looks just like an iPad air, which makes me super confused as to why the iPad air exists. And when you click on, well, no, sorry. When you click on iPad, it does show the air, but when you click on iPad, oh no, it doesn't. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, but it comes in colors similar to the iPad air. It's got USB-C just like the iPad air. It's got an A14, um, <laughs> excuse me um <laughs> well, bless you hush <laughs> you're the one that's sick uh i just have allergies <laughs> um so yeah it's it's got it looks it has all, all the all the trappings of an ipad air but the marquee highlight standout must buy feature of this ipad is what mm, not sure or well, I guess, well, for you, be, the, be the USB-C connector. No. Mm. The f- camera, the front-facing camera is in the right fudging place oh, for the yeah. first time in an iPad in 10 years. So when Steve Jobs was on stage in his lounge chair talking about reading the daily, because again, when the iPad got released, he made a partnership with News Corp and they made an, I- uh, an iPad-only journalistic entity called the daily nobody not, remembers not to be confused with the podcast yeah correct uh but now the ipad which for basically everybody is used in landscape mode 100 percent of the time now has a way for you to not like look at it like cross-eyed or or where you don't like aren't like always looking off to the side because if you have the phone in a magic keyboard case or propped up on its side or whatever because the camera has been at the very top in portrait orientation, you if you're looking at the screen, you're never looking directly at your audience, and you always look like you're not paying attention. So now the iPad has it in the correct place. And even though Samsung makes Galaxy tablets that are not very good because Android is not very good as a tablet operating system, they've had the camera in the right place for like the past three generations of the uh, of their tablet product, but. That is the most interesting part of the iPad 10th generation. And guess what? The iPad Pro M2 2022 version, the camera's still in the wrong place. And it makes no sense. And a friend of the show and Marin celebrity Jason Snell wrote a very lovely piece in Six Colors talking about how the iPad lineup is a fucking mess right now and how it's so weird that the low-end iPad has features that the high-end one doesn't. And the fact that the iPad Pro doesn't really make any sense. The iPad Pro 11-inch still doesn't have the nicer screen. And basically nothing has changed about it. Like, it's a weird lineup right now. And why does the iPad Air exist? Who the F knows? It's whatever. But yeah, but the iPad 10th generation, they put the camera in the right place. So that's that's literally all that matters. But the tricky part about that is, um, and this is how we get to the most interesting thing that apple sells for nine dollars because previously so when apple had that bout of courage in 2016 when they introduced the iphone 7 and removed the headphone jack and phil schiller so confidently went on stage and explained why they removed it 
the cheapest thing that you could ever buy at an Apple store was the Lightning to headphone jack adapter for $9. So now you get to buy um, an accessory for your Apple Pencil because... So the first iPad, uh, the Apple Pencil that they ever released for an iPad, can you remind people of how it charged? <laughs> it charged... So you, you took the little... The, the end... Yeah, the, the 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 basically like the eraser end of it off, and there was a little uh-huh. lightning plug on it, and you'd you'd plug it into the the lightning port on the bottom of your iPad, and you had just this big fucking thing just sticking out of your <laughs> yeah. iPad. Yep. Uh huh. And then uh, so that so because I don't I literally don't know why because again this this iPad is basically an ever so slightly decanted i don't know if that's a wine term or a technology term or decontented um uh, ipad air where which supports the second generation apple pencil but they made it so that it only works with the first gen apple pencil but since due to looming or or not looming like it's passed but it's not going to go into effect until late 2023 but to get ahead of eu legislation that's going to mandate USB-C charging on everything. They made it so that the Apple Pencil, which only charges over Lightning, and they made this new iPad that only charges over USB-C, they made an adapter that they sell you for $10 that plugs into the USB-C port on the low-end iPad that you can then jam the first-gen Apple Pencil they've been selling for five years into it to charge it because otherwise you have no way of charging your pencil the the bet my favorite part about that adapter which i actually didn't realize until looking at it a second time was do you have a link um i I don't have one handy i'm sure it's just in the apple store though um it's not like one end of the adapter plugs into the pencil and then the other plugs directly into the USB-C port on the ipad the USB-C part is a is a female connection, so you actually mm-hmm. have to <laughs> take a USB-C cable, plug that into the adapter, and then, no. and then plug the other end of the USB-C cable into your iPad. <laughs> so there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 not even like the pencil. No, oh, sorry. So no. So so if you go to the Apple product page. Uh, the, uh, the USB-C to Apple Pencil adapter is required to pair and charge your Apple Pencil, in parentheses, first generation with iPad, in parentheses, 10th generation. Your Apple Pencil plugs into one end of the adapter and the USB-C charge cable from your iPad plugs into the other. Yeah. You have to use a fucking that, Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. So like not, it's no, not, know, but... it's almost like, it almost makes the, um the pencil like weirdly sticking out the bottom of the iPad better the elegant solution. <laughs> yeah. Because then now what you're going to have is a, a cable dangling out from the bottom, which is then attached to this connector, which is then attached to your pencil. Um, very, well, yeah, very strange. But this is the thing that people were discussing, which is that, um, Maybe the reason the iPad Pro, because like the the whole thing about the second generation Apple Pencil, which also works on the iPad Mini Six, is that it has a magnetic charging feature built into the side of the iPad, where that gives you like a natural place to attach and rest the pencil. But that's also how it charges, so there's no 
plugging it in whatsoever, which was a much, much more elegant solution. But the 2022 revision of the M2 iPad Pro does not have the camera relocated, which is, is it, was that just a design, like a, a lazy design decision? Or is it literally that you can't have the camera and the charging mechanism in the same edge of the bezel? I mean, that that's possible. I, the consensus that I've seen is that the reason the camera didn't move on the pros is that, you know, the, 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 well, the base level iPad got a full redesign, which, you know, that's the, that's the time mm. to make significant changes like that. If you're looking to push out an update with as little effort as possible, which seems like was the case with the iPad pros, you're not you're not going to go through the effort of doing the re-engineering to move the camera. Like you'll instead just wait to do that until your your next big update. So that seems to be what's happening there. I just I, again in the video conferencing generation and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just so bad. Well, I mean, Apple, like, I, do I you, mean, have you ever taken a, a meeting on on your iPad? Uh, I, I, well, not, not for work. No, I've done like a couple of personal zoom calls over, uh, over an iPad. I mean, now that I have the MacBook air, that that's what I use. Um, but I mean, you know, I, <laughs> your surprise is I think somewhat surprising in the sense that like, even in the age of, you know, work, work from home and zoom and all that, like, you know, we're, we're almost three years into that now. And like Apple continues to to show like a weird lack of understanding of that with its with its webcam decisions across you know all of its products i mean do you mean my studio display doesn't have the world's best (laughs) webcam it's basically got a potato on top of it i mean that's obviously exhibit a like i mean to the point where they've basically waved the white flag and now with continuity camera have just said you know what screw it just use your phone Which um, you know is is just is just kind of weird. So anyway, I I think this decision with the iPad, I mean, in addition to it, I think just bumping up against the reality of them not wanting to do that until they do a bigger redesign of the Pro, I think also just fits into Apple's continued weird strategy around cameras um, on their devices, or the kind of the the lack of prioritization and focus that they've put into their cameras on their devices <sighs> yeah anyway so the so the because this is tim cook's apple so the a new ipad 10th generation um slots in at 429 sorry i'm just trying to come on order now it is blue 64 Wi-Fi only. So the old one used to start at three. It actually got, it was getting really cheap because they were just, they just kept, just, they were just shipping the same fucking thing over and over again for like five years. And they got to economies of scale where they were able to get that old, oh, that old shitty iPad down, down to 329. So the new iPad, even for the 64 gig Wi-Fi only version, starts at 450. So how much is the iPad Air? Is that one 599? I think it starts around there. Yeah, I, Apple's yeah, it's fi- yeah, Apple's it's fi- website's not loading for me now. And that that TP link, it's 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 got that transitional deco. <laughs> it's got shiplap on it. 
Um, yeah, so the iPad Air, like, it's, it's not that much more expensive. But any, anyway, I think they got to figure that out. Um, but yeah, so it got more expensive. So that is tricky. So that's the thing where, even though I complained about Tim Cook's Apple a lot, I do actually think where for for education and retail, having that cheap iPad around does matter a lot because you have so many uh, uh, use cases and implementations where just having that cheap ass iPad for as a, in kiosk mode or for point of sale terminals like that is kind of important. So I do think they would potentially take a decent sales hit by no longer having it available. So I get it. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it got more expensive and it definitely is, is blurring the line between what is actually um, makes the iPad Air the iPad Air. But um, yeah, it is 450 if you want the just the regular base level iPad version. Uh, but it does, even though there is a valid reason for it to be available, it does make the lineup super confusing and... Like, yeah, I actually don't know. Are a lot of people, like, if if somebody's not already looking at the Pro, would they maybe just still buy the, the cheap old one? I actually don't know. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't either. Um, and just, like, the, the fact that, like, when you look at the base iPad page on Apple's website, which which is now loading for me, um, they they differentiate between these by just literally calling them the iPad 9th generation and iPad 10th generation. Which, you know, for a company sort of famous for its marketing prowess is is just kind of weird. Um, but, um, yeah. And then the other part of this introduction that's the, so interesting. The, 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 keyboards? the keyboards? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. one, so throw, throw a link in the show notes to this tweet from David Pierce. I think he's with The Verge, maybe. But, um which is sweet, is I just feel like if your tablet lineup requires you to have six different keyboard models with names like Smart Keyboard Folio for iPad Pro 11-inch in quotes, fourth generation, and iPad Air fifth generation U.S. English, you've probably made a wrong turn somewhere. And that's kind of really true. So the previous, so you, we both have the Magic Keyboard for the iPad. You have it for the Pro and I have it for the Air, but it's the same product. Correct. You have one, right? Yes. So that's the one where that was the first time that Apple made a keyboard that used all the fancy magnets in the back of the ipad and it was um a proper keyboard case that had a trackpad that coincided with ios 14.4 or whatever that added that thing and it was it was actually really neat and interesting and it was it's a i would say it's a pretty solid product but it had some limitations limited tiltability and it was also super fucking expensive it was, it's it's 300 dollars. so then they've introduced uh an accessory that costs 60% of what the iPad does. It's $250 for an iPad that we said starts at $449. And this one, so again, the other one that for the iPad Pro was called the Magic Keyboard. Well, this one's so, called... So, so hold on. So the, there's the Magic Keyboard, which is for the iPad Pro, and for the, the, um, the iPad Air. And then yeah. also prior to yesterday, there was the Smart Keyboard, which that was, was a shitty one. Which was the which is the equivalent for the base iPad. So well, so but we, they we, also have they also have the smart keyboard folio, which was the same crappy design. Which again, I, like I will go to the mat in saying this is one of the worst products Apple's ever made. 
it's so floppy and janky and shitty. Like, I don't know if you've ever used it, but the, the, the key travel feel it, like, it feels like typing on a wetsuit, like that you would go scuba diving in. It's so bad, but they also make a version. They, they make a version called the smart keyboard folio for the iPad pro. That's $30 more for question mark, but it's, it's, it's such a bad keyboard and it's the one where it has two different degrees of tilt, but the way that you put it into that mode is so floppy and crap. Again, I, I, I've used this and I hate this product so much. So that's where, like, those were non-starters. And that was, like, if you're looking at this, no, just go buy one of the keyboards that Zag or Logitech makes. And even though they're not, they're not first party, they're cheaper and they suck way less. But because neither of those had, uh, they don't have um, trackpads. They're just bad keyboards. So the only real options currently are Magic Keyboard and Magic Keyboard Folio. So the Magic Keyboard Folio is $249 for an iPad that starts at $449. And it is very Microsoft surfacey. So with this one, it's a little case that goes on the back of the low-end iPad that is a kickstand, very much like a Microsoft Surface, and uh, a magnetically attachable keyboard exactly like a microsoft surface and so it's a two-parter it doesn't have that like little cantilevered like kind of a laptop-esque design which in certain ways is better certain ways is worse like you can't use it like a laptop because it just it that is the one nice thing about the magic keyboards that kind of like if you wanted to use it literally on your lap like you you could it's not it could be as stable as you want it to be but it's fine where like a surface style thing you absolutely can't but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, but the big thing on the keyboard is that it has function keys mm-hmm. so you can do like media playback and stuff like that. So that's, that's neat. And I assume eventually they'll like, is it called backporting uh, to the iPad pro, but also they just released the pro. So if they were going to do it, they probably would have already done it. I, I don't know, but yeah, I think the accessory story is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, my my assumption is the function row for the Magic Keyboard falls into the same category as moving the camera to the long side on the iPad Pro, where... Which is to say good things that we won't do for the people that spend the most money. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Apple's going to do it, but they're going to wait to do it until they're going to do like a big refresh of the iPad Pro line. But, you know, the current iPad Pro design is still really nice, so there's not like an urgent need to do that. And so that puts us in this weird position where the base iPad has certain features and certain accessories that in that in some ways are better than the higher end version. Although it, it's such a complicated um <clears throat> story where like this this um Magic Keyboard Folio, it has the function row, but doesn't have backlit keys, but does, but does have a, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like this multi-touch, I guess is what it is, trackpad. Whereas I, I don't think the Magic Keyboards is like a, is a multi-touch. I think it's just like a single input touchpad. Um, so yeah, it's just very, um, Very all over the place. And this has actually been like a long running thing with the iPad, which was, I think, I think also probably stealing this from Jason Snell, which is like, if you ask, like if you get asked, hey, what's the best iPad? 
there's like never really been a definitive answer to that question because it's I mean, kind of there is. <laughs> which one the macbook air <laughs> well yeah probably but um yeah there's there's always been weird feature segmentation between the different devices and not ever really where it's clear that oh the highest end one has all the features and then you know some of the lower end ones don't it's it's a little all over um the place yeah and i kind of uh, like i I was gonna say that the mac solves this but like because in a lot of product categories the simplest way has always been screen size like that's been the clear differentiator but i guess that that analogy breaks down with the um decidedly unpopular um iphone 14 plus but um like that was kind of the thing where you wanted the biggest fanciest phone like that was the the 14 pro max and again it's like this it's this gold bullion cube in in your pocket it's very heavy and it's very capable but yeah that's never been really the case on the ipad and with the reintroduction of the air i that in hindsight is, is, is super confusing yeah i don't know yeah weird but again like the what like what is the right motorcycle for people it's not a motorcycle it's it's a ford fiesta like it's it's a very it's it's a, it's a car like it's sometimes like the ipad is generally not the right choice for most people but um so anyway, do you have anything else so do you know with the magic keyboard folio with like its little kickstand thing can you like is, is there sort of like an infinite number of angles you can have it at theoretically I, I assume it's like the like the uh, the surface where it's uh, I I haven't seen it in person yet but the surface is you just you just yeah you just tilt it and it's it's kind of infinitely adjustable. Hmm. I don't think it has like notches or at least the surface hmm. doesn't. Right, right, right. Um hmm. Yeah, I mean and it also obviously like with the two-piece design it's kind of nice too where like when you if you don't want the keyboard you can just you know put it to the side whereas obviously with like the magic keyboard you can't do that because it's all just one piece um yeah it very yeah very strange not to go back to an old topic but um did you already have a link in the show notes for the pencil adapter i i did put one in there yeah so the biggest thing on that one and i know i know the economy is in an uncertain spot but if you open up that link so you have the option so the the, the accessory costs nine dollars um you can also choose to finance that over 12 months for 75 cents a month. I hate 2022. <laughs> uh, All right. And then, so dumb. So was there anything else other than the iPad uh, or other than the Apple TV? Um, no, we already talked about the, the software stuff. I think we've hit all the iPad stuff. So no, yeah, Apple, Apple nice. TV. Okay, last thing. All right, so Apple TV. So one, oh, I'm never going to watch For All Mankind. Uh, like, yeah, this, it's just like, what's that movie oh, you always tell me to watch? Batman Begins? Oh, The the Dark Knight. Oh, that one. Yeah, I'm never going to watch it. Um, I keep thinking about it. I'm getting back into movies. Still, probably not going to watch it. But yeah, so Apple, I'm kind of tempted by this because I have an Apple TV that's like that's too small. Like, I only ever see three Apple screensavers because it doesn't have enough space to cache more than that. So I only see the one that shows the Staples Center before it was renamed Crypto.com Arena. Again, fingers crossed. 
it might be, it might be changing back soon. Um, but yeah, so the Apple TV 4K is being updated with an A15 Bionic chip and HDR10+. Plus. I don't know what HDR10+, plus is, so that feature is irrelevant to me. But the thing that's interesting about this is that it is being segmented slightly. So one, the Apple TV 4K is getting sort of a price drop down to 129 but the cheap one comes with 64 gigs of storage which is double the previous one but it does not come with ethernet anymore mm-hmm. right so odd feature combo but i mean i don't i don't think it's terrible i do i do think the fact that it doesn't come with ethernet that's just kind of a lame omission because 129 is really not that much cheaper or i think that's moving the needle like if they just made it 149 like i don't know if you're not getting to 99 dollars or less like who who is that moving the needle for but the um 149 version comes with 128 gigs of storage and has ethernet on it so i do think i'm i'm probably gonna upgrade my apple tv for the first time in forever just because i mean it, this really feels like apple is basically not going to touch this box for another three years like they put so little effort into it and this is the first time they've done anything even slightly meaningful so i'm thinking yeah probably why not like none of the i I don't i don't know what hdr 10 is i just none of this matters to me and i even bought as a one-off that siri remote but the one that charges with lightning um yeah i mean i maybe why not? Like, because I still have, like, I have the first Apple TV 4K, which I think runs on an A10. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's slow, to. but I don't know. Like, it's, it's four years old. I mean, might as well. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I do know that mine is full on memory because I bought the 32. Just going like, I'm not playing games on this, but I guess I do do enough on it. Like, I don't have a lot installed on it, but it, it's, it's full. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I also have a first gen Apple TV 4K, and you know, this is the type of product that falls kind of into like almost iPhone territory for me in the sense that like I use it a ton, and so I have a strong interest in kind of always having the best one, but have never really had a reason to ever upgrade to to one of the newer ones just because like there was nothing i could really point to that would be meaningfully different or better than the the current apple tv that i have i i kind of feel like this i feel kind of the same way about this one um, do you have the 32 or the 64 because if you have the 64 then you don't need to upgrade i know i i have i i must have the 32 because i just bought whatever the least expensive one was i i feel like i have a relatively decent variety of of the screensavers though so um i mean i guess now that i think about it maybe there's not like a ton of different ones that come up but it's more than two or three yeah Um, because my thing is so there's an app i use called infuse which is a thing that allows you to watch stuff that fell off a truck um did uh it will frequently when i use it say hey we had to purge some type of cache because your thing was low on memory and that's the only thing that really gives me the tip off that I'm critically low on space frequently. And that coupled with the fact that I generally get like the same two screensavers 
is what makes me think that's the case. Hmm. So I don't know. Like I, I assume I can probably get 50 bucks for this one on eBay. And if this is 150 and it's, if I've gotten four years out of life out of the old box, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Or if you need one for your TCL TV, you can buy mine for 50 bucks. Well, so, okay, that, that's, I mean, that's one direction I've been thinking about for a while, which is, well, if I did get a new Apple TV, I'm pretty sure I had the same thought with the one that came out last year, too, where I was like, well, if I buy the new one, I'll just roll the one that's connected to the OLED to the the TCL TV that's in the living room. Like, that would make a lot of sense. The thing is, I, I kind of like... You, you, you fucking like, love that Roku. I kind of like the Roku, and the... You're 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 probably gonna you love that you're, you're, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna poke fun at me for this I'm sure but I actually think a really cool feature of the Roku is you have the ability to set like themes and wallpapers <laughs> um and so you know it's spooky season now so we've got like this fun <laughs> Halloween one up there and it's it's just it's just nice it's 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 fun whereas like the Apple TV has just zero personality to it when you turn it well, on. That's it's just, the point. No, I I, I know, but and, and also um, you, you were angling for a show title, so that's where you get ex- it's spooky season. Um, is is your uh, Nest doorbell uh, making Halloween sounds yet? Not not yet. I, I I I do use those, but I I typically just turn them on for like Halloween day for like all the trick or treaters. Okay. Um, I'm not looking to scare the UPS guy. Um, but yeah, no, so like I, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the Apple TV is, is definitely better in most ways. The most notable of which is, you know, even, even this, you know, older Apple TV 4k that you and I have is so much faster and more responsive than, than the Roku stuff that I have is. So like that part's nice. Um, but I don't know. Does the, I haven't used it in a while. Does the Roku still have like kind of the, the janky sounds? Well, the, like, those, are actually, do the, those are all customizable too. But, the, but by default, it does those just kind of like sounds that sound like a thunk. And it's just like, they sound really like mono and just kind of very 2011-y. Out of the box, yeah. But, but there's like a gajillion different sound packs you can use to swap that out um so yeah i've so i i've 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 thought about doing that but yeah i don't know i just the the i yeah i don't don't mind the roku stuff so and also again i would never i would never do it because like i i only have one one tv like because i don't have a tv in the bedroom and um like l the idea of having like a single like because my apple tv is actually mounted i have a a stick on mount that's on the back of my oled tv so it's kind of like it's one thing and i have a really short one foot sorry i have really short one foot hdmi cable so it's kind of like it's a self-contained thing but the thing is like of not having like a separate streaming box and it just being built into the tv kind of neat like that 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 is a cool feature but roku's business model and their privacy record and stuff like that just makes me that that's the part that kind of kills it for me but i get the appeal it is it is very alluring to be able to buy a tv from costco and have 
a streaming setup that isn't trash out of the box like that that's pretty nice well and the the really neat thing with the roku stuff or with like you know the tcl stuff is that i mean you you, you could literally just have it plugged into power and like that's because it's connected to wi-fi all the software is built in yeah. and you're good to go i mean with mine you know i've got the sonos beam hooked up to it so there's there's a little bit of you know there's a little bit of cabling that's going in and out of that thing but you know not much yeah so this is the only thing i'm gonna buy this year remaining from apple but yeah probably getting a new apple tv yeah i hmm yeah i um i mean the one feature that they did add last year which we've talked about i think before is that you can now airplay at 4k 60 from like you know your home videos and stuff which which on mine it's you can do 4k but then it caps it at 30 um, well, well that's more of a salt that's that's a that's a benefit not a, <laughs> um, we're, we're never gonna agree on that no no um yeah i i don't know like, i i guess i guess if the reviews come out for this thing and, and everybody says there's a noticeable speed improvement that would maybe make me think about it but yeah i don't know there's there's not there's really nothing I can point to here where it's a must have feature. Sure. Um and a, I, my other reservation too is that um with my whole Sonos Arc setup, you know, because our TV doesn't have um eArc, it only has Arc, like theoretically Dolby Atmos isn't really supposed to work. Like you're supposed to need eARC for that to work but our our particular LG model does some kind of crazy thing where it like compresses the the Atmos signal that's coming out of devices like the Apple TV and and b- basically makes it so that a device like the Arc can work over the Arc port um but I feel like that whole setup is is basically like being held up <laughs> by by you know toothpicks and a prayer basically so i feel like if i swap out this apple tv box like that's gonna that's gonna basically like not work anymore um mm-hmm. um yeah, so, anyway. one. yeah. yeah. well mm-hmm. ev- eventually it'd be nice to get a 65 inch oled that would have e-arc but that's a conversation oh, that's, for a different day <laughs> and that'd be for, that'd be that'd have other motivations which is proportions but anyway is that it yeah jumping to specials yeah i don't i don't i think it's my, my turn to to take uh Ooh. take a break i don't i don't think i don't think i have one right inflation special okay i have i've got a lot of little ones i don't really have anything that's super pressing but everybody always needs a new coffee table book and a friend of the show, Buster Posey, is, is a gem. So he, 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 he knows it deep down. Uh, so there's a local sports photographer whose name is uh, Brad Mangan. And he um, made a lovely photographic tribute to Buster Posey. And um, it's, it's co- compiled into a very lovely, uh, nicely printed, punchy colors, like very, very, very pleasing 
200 page coffee book um coffee table book and it's uh it's delightful and it's only 30 bucks on amazon so i would strongly and encourage anybody in the bay area or who's a giants fan or you know just anybody to pick it up it's very nice doesn't seem like the experience of reading this book would be as nice on the kindle which which is yeah, which that, is an that, option Oh, <laughs> who maybe that's why it doesn't have a perfect five stars because somebody acts yeah that two-star review is somebody who accidentally bought it on a kindle and is looking at beautiful gorgeous uh, sports photography uh on a ink display <laughs>